CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. And now, the list of things that you can buy at the Chicago Reader store at chicagoreader.com. Things to wear like Chicago Reader hats, t-shirts, bandanas, and face masks. Things for your daily life like the Chicago Reader camping mug, Chicago Reader tote bags, and a Chicago Reader reporter's notebook. Things for you to read like our Reader recipes, the Chicago Reader 420 Companion, our Chicago Reader Best of book series from journalists Maya Dukmasova, Mike Sula, Ben Jarofsky, and Lior Galil, the Chicago Reader coloring book, and the Chicago Reader stay home puzzle. Find the Chicago Reader store at chicagoreader.com and show your support for the nation's first free weekly news newspaper since 1971. Bonus time at the Ben Jarofsky show as I speak. It's Thursday, April 29th, 2021. Uh, this is not that big, big headline in the news. I always like to start one of these bonus interviews with what's going on uh, in the world. Uh, obviously, the big news from last night anyway nationally is uh, President Joe Biden's uh, State of the Union speech. But on uh, just a personal level, just want to give a shout out, Michael Collins, 90 years old, astronaut who kept a solitary vigil dies. It's an obituary in the New York Times about Michael Collins. He was the astronaut who did not land on the moon in 1969, who was in the uh, shuttle that orbited the moon uh, for, I think it was 24 hours. Fascinating story. If you uh, have access to the New York Times, I urge everybody to check it out. Very interesting guy, Michael Collins, uh, who's sort of a poet and a writer and you know, he had just a very different philosophical uh, view of the world. He was the only man on earth. Well, he wasn't literally on earth, but he was the only man alive who did not know what was going on uh, in the mo- on the moon when the other two astronauts landed, and yet he was the closest to them. Anyway, um, the great Michael Collins has passed on. All right, uh, we're going to shift uh, to uh, gears from Michael Collins and my ruminations about great astronauts past and talk about uh, the issues of the day with my distinguished guests. And as I do with all my distinguished guests, I ask my distinguished guest to introduce himself. So distinguished guest, take it away and introduce yourself. Okay. Well, hi, Ben Jarofsky. Thank you for inviting me. My name is Rob Perrell. I am a consultant in the human services sector, largely. I also have some formal affiliations I could tell you about. I, I am a, a research associate with the Great Cities Institute at the at the UIC. Uh, go Flames! And I also am a um, I'm a fellow with the Chicago Council on Global Affairs. So uh, those are some uh, formal affiliations I have. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, I on my show that gets reduced to he's a demographer. He's a great counter of people. Uh, whether he likes that title or not, that's the one he's stuck with on the Ben Jarofsky show. 
And um, with the census uh, coming out, at least the preliminary numbers, uh, and it was much in the news a few days back, I thought it'd be good to bring Rob back to the show and talk about what this means politically. Uh, the state of Illinois has, uh, relative to the other states in the union, lost population. Uh, I think it's only one of only three, Rob, uh, that has lost, will lose a congressional seat in reapportionment as a result of the new census. Uh, and so that, of course, will have consequences on the making of the congressional maps in Illinois. It'll have uh, an impact on the making of legislative districts uh, in Illinois for blacks and uh, Latinos. Uh, it'll have an impact. And of course, uh, it'll have an impact on the the, uh, the making of the wards in the city of Chicago. Let's discuss all of those things eventually. Uh, but Rob, let's start at the top. What's going on in Illinois? Uh, we're one of three states, as I said, I think it's three. I uh, should have done my homework and I've nailed it down. But uh, let's just say it was three that are losing uh, congressional districts right. Yeah, because of the census changes. What's going on in Illinois that we're losing population? Go ahead. Well, let, let me correct that just a little bit. We're one of three states that since the year uh, 2010 has lost population. Okay. But uh, many more states are losing at least one congressional district, uh, such as California. Uh, New York is losing a couple. There's many which is part of the general movement in the United States going on for more than half a century now, of, you know, people moving south generally and west generally. So, yeah, that's the picture. That's the general picture. Okay, the general picture is a, a, a movement uh, to sunnier climates. In particular with Illinois, what do you think is going on? So population change in Illinois is uh, an obsession here. Uh, because uh, our numbers are not great. And this has been going on for a decade, a little more than a decade now. Uh, you look at what you might call our peer states, uh, the New Yorks, the Californias, the, even the Michigans, the, the industrial states, you know, the um, higher income states, et cetera. Uh, we're, we're an outlier um, in, in the sense that, look, at the, over the last decade, we lost population. I should note, it doesn't mean that the other states are growing like gangbusters. Like, you know, Michigan had some growth, for example, but, uh, you know, small single digit percentage points. It's a little bit nice hair splitting. But nevertheless, you know, nobody likes to feel like they're the only one losing population. And, um, you know, where do you begin to understand this? Uh, you know, so there is something pretty important to point out, I think, Ben. Uh, when I checked the numbers for 2019, the estimates, um, Every county in Metro Chicago was positive territory in the last 10 years. We'll see if the census contradicts this, but, you know, Cook, Lake, uh, McHenry, Kane, Will, they were all positive growth. Uh, population loss in Illinois is driven by downstate. It, it's not driven by Cook County even, right? Um, and Chicago may have a stable population. So it's, it's downstate Illinois that really drives the population loss. And especially the counties with the greatest loss in Illinois downstate are uh, counties that were home to uh, former manufacturing centers, uh, Decatur, uh, Rock Island, uh, the county that Quincy is in, things like that. Uh, you know, they just have not had a lot of uh, jobs available. And uh, that, that might be what makes Illinois a little bit different than other states, by the way, because we had this constellation of Rockford and all these, you know, uh, auto in industry, metal manufacturing related uh, uh, places, 
that's part of the picture. I, I could go on. There's a lot of other factors. Uh, immigration is enormous here. We, we, we always were an immigrant state. I tell you, we, um, uh, we get 10% of the immigrants we were getting a, a couple decades ago in a given year right now. Uh, it's, immigration has been slashed in Illinois. And maybe if you want, we can talk about that. It's a story about Mexico. It's about Illinois' relationship with Mexico and undocumented immigration. That's, that's another little kind of thread in the state's population laws. Well, these are all important points that we should follow up on. And, and I'm going to say this right up at the top. I'm a very political person. I view the world politically speaking. Uh, talking to Rob uh, always brings me back to my days when I worked for the uh, Chicago Reporter. And we had a, a publisher, John McDermott, keep your politics out of your uh, articles, just facts, just deal with facts. And the reason I say this, uh, Rob, is that because this is such a uh, electrifying issue about Illinois' population losses, it gets politicized very quickly. I get no shortage, you may get them as well, of emails from the Republican Party uh, chiding the Democrats for the loss uh, and then citing uh, editorials from the Chicago Tribune that are chiding Democrats uh, for the law. Similarly, a lot of my um, my leftist friends will send me emails uh, blaming various mayoral initiatives for a loss in Chicago. So I'm just going to try to leave the politics as much as I can yeah. physically do, uh, Rob. It's just very difficult for me out of this conversation. And let's talk about immigration. The last time you and I had a conversation, uh, you made this point. That was a while ago, so let's go back to it, that in part, Chicago's loss is driven by a decline in the number of people who are moving here from Mexico. Go into a little more detail about that. Well, in Chicago, again, the population problem in Illinois, you can argue, really is not in Chicago anymore. Uh, the Chicago population is fairly stable. Uh, and we should talk a little bit about all those arguments about why Illinois is losing population, because, by the way, the problem with them is that they all have strong counterfactuals. Um, why, is, why did the population go down during Republican administrations or Republican control of the House and Senate? Or uh, why does population, um, why is it going down in the southern part of the state and not the northern part of the state, which is supposedly the high tax and, you know, problematic area? And, there, and there's a lot of, there's a counterfactual for every one of those arguments that people trot out for why we're losing population. But anyway, getting back to immigration, uh, immigration, is ju it's just a thread. It's just one of a bunch of things going on. So uh, Chicago, um, you know, a couple decades ago or a little bit more would get 50, 60,000 immigrants per year. It was like the population of Berwyn every year showing up. And it, it served to kind of mask or hide some of the other things going on, uh, like decline of blacks in Chicago, et cetera. Um, and and uh, you take away that, that Mexican immigration in particular, but other things too, uh, it, it just really hurts us like like it hurts few other places. Um, so, yeah, Mexican immigration has its role in the metro area. Yeah. And what is the cause of the decline in Mexican immigration? Well, around 2007, when we had the financial crash, um, undocumented immigration uh, came to a halt, and it never kind of rebounded nationally, ever. We've been losing, despite what you hear, the undocumented population keeps falling in the United States. And, and that, that was a big source of the immigrants coming to, to Illinois because of our connection with Mexico. And then, and then other reasons, uh, you know, we don't get, uh, uh, apart from Mexico, we don't get refugees that's been slashed. And, and, then, and then 
legal immigrants are choosing to go to other states now. They are. So we're just not getting people like we used to get here in Illinois. Uh, and then you talked about the loss downstate connected to some of loss of manufacturing uh, that you cited in some of the major cities. Uh, is it that people left Illinois because the jobs disappeared and their jobs are not uh, reappearing to draw people back? Am I correct in that? You know, I think we had a lot of manufacturing jobs in small metro areas that are the kind of metro areas that have not flourished in the kind of economy we have now. They're not home to universities or medical centers or eds and meds, as they call it. They were just manufacturing centers. Um, so um, I think that's part of the reason that uh, our downstate uh, metro areas have been hit so hard, is that it was their very nature. And uh, you talked about Chicago having a stable population, which sort of goes against the trend of reporting that I've been reading uh, for a long time, where, again, there's much alarm about Chicago's declining population, at least in the last uh, several years, I've seen, I, sh- I should say. I, I, I didn't see a lot of articles about this 10 years ago. Go ahead. Yeah, the story. So the story is different with Chicago compared to suburban Cook. Let's, let's pick that apart a little bit. Um, with Chicago, the story is that um, uh, really the driver of population change uh, is, is African-American uh, population loss. You know, uh, we're, we're still losing 15,000 a year African-Americans uh, from the city of Chicago. Uh, so that's really the driver here. Uh, it's been largely uh, or more or less replaced by growth among Asians and whites. Um, a big change in uh, in Chicago, still on the topic of the city, is that the Latino population is very slow growth now. Latino growth is in the suburbs. I think over the last decade, we just grew by about 5 6% among Latinos. The Asians outgrew Latinos in percent and numbers in Chicago. And, and whites are the largest growing group in Chicago. Okay, so that's kind of the picture. I then wanted to kind of, while we're on this topic of who's leaving, who's doing what, it's a whole different picture when you look at the suburbs. Uh, when you look at suburban uh, Cook and the suburban areas, there's uh, a loss of white population that just far exceeds black population loss anywhere. It's, it's really the driver. Uh, over the last decade, uh, we lost almost 400,000 whites in, in the state. Um, that's who's leaving to a great, to a great deal. Um, and then the suburbs, it's a replacement of Latinos and uh, not, not much black growth in the suburbs, a minor decline. So a different story in the, in, in the suburbs. All right, let's talk about the, uh, let's break each one of those uh, down a bit. Uh, white growth in the city. Who are these people? Where are they moving and why? Well, I, I tell you, let's talk about wards a little bit because I, I know you probably want to get to wards and redistricting, but I was looking at a map I did of um, estimates of um, how wards have changed uh, in, in, in uh, Chicago in the last 10 years. Mm-hmm. And um uh, wards that are predominantly white, there's a bunch of them that are up 10%. So uh, what you have is a, a white population on the north side of the city, close to the lake especially, from the loop up, up along uh, northward, uh, that, that's grown pretty strongly. The, um, the top uh, five uh, wards are, uh, I have a map here somewhere around me. Uh, I don't know if, you, if these numbers ring a bell to you, Ben. The 42nd ward. Um, just north of the, including the loop, uh, and then the fourth, the third, the eleventh ward south of the loop, all uh, grew by ten percent. Mm. Um, and they they touched the loop area in that west loop area, so they're growing, and it's basically white growth. And then there's one a little bit of an outlier in terms of wards. It's farther in the north side, one of the the leading uh, uh, growth 
areas is our own 47th ward is one of the top uh, kind of uh, roaring wards in terms of population in Chicago. And that's, again, that's a, that's a white population moving into the city, uh, deciding to live here. And we should just point out uh, that wards are very arbitrary uh, dividing lines, uh, as we're going to get into because of the census, because of the recount of uh, these wards are all going to be reconfigured. Uh, so the uh, 47th may have may have a lot of people in it right now relative to the other wards, but within a few months, they're going to reconfigure the boundaries to even things out. Uh, so it's a, sort of the general north side area of Chicago that really Rob is talking yeah. about that is booming. And similarly, those wards that you mentioned, those downtown wards, very interesting for an old timer like me, Rob, to hear you rattle them off uh, and calling them white wards. Uh, the 42nd ward is just for, uh, uh, is the um, Gold Coast area. And it used to be have to have the largest pro- population of black residents of any north side war because of Cabrini Green, a housing project which has been since been torn down and its residents scattered to the winds. So that will have an impact uh, on the demographic, the makeup. The fourth ward, that's blowing my mind, and the third ward, those are south side wards that traditionally have been black wards. Uh, they At the moment, the alderman for those wards is uh, black. But what you're telling me is that the reality is because of changing de- demographics in the South Loop moving toward Hyde Park, is it true what you're saying, that these areas are now predominantly white? Am I getting that correct? Yeah, because those, those black, not predominantly, but those black words you just ticked off, they, they have elongated shapes that go north and south, and they all touch the Loop area, and that is where all their growth is. If you looked at the southern portion of those same wards, yeah, uh, they're, they're losing a uh, uh, substantial black population. Yeah. And then uh, finally, the, uh, the last word that you mentioned is the 11th ward, which is the classic traditional Bridgeport ward, home of mayors, the base of the daily opera political operation. And essentially what you're telling me is that the 11th ward has been, uh, changed to a, quite a, a degree. You know, it's the, the boundaries yeah. have been extended beyond Bridgeport so that these old definitions don't have the meaning they used to. Yeah, the 11th Ward snakes up towards the UIC, University of Illinois area, where there's just a ton of new condo growth, et cetera. That's where all its population expansion is coming from. Yeah. Uh, and if you and, view... And then, uh, Bridgeport's probably pretty stable. Bridgeport itself is stable. So I'm going to make a, a, a concession here of sorts, Rob, uh, for the uh, to be fair and accurate and uh, get your thoughts about this concession I'm about to make. It's really not a concession. Uh, the reality is in 1973, Mayor Richard J. Daley had a plan for development that would take the city into the next uh, century. And uh, that development, which was put together by Daley and many of the great uh, political figures of the time, uh, was to use the loop as the base and then spread out circles around the loop, moving further and further uh, south and west and north, uh, and sort of carving out an area of prosperity. And based on what you're telling me, and by the way, and investing a lot of public dollars in the uh, development of this area, based on what you're telling me, it has quote unquote worked in that people are, have white people have moved to these areas. Uh, they're probably the income level relative to the city is going up in these areas. This is relative prosperity. Am I correct in drawing these conclusions? Uh, 
Yeah, as as to what you're you're correct about what's happened as to whether it was due to the uh, the plans of uh, the first mayor Daley. I, I don't know what what did happen really after the '70s was this phenomenon around 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 the world and around the United States of uh, uh, corporations and capital uh, uh, crowding into downtown areas. So that whether that was sparked by the first mayor Daley, I can't answer, but it, it happened and. Um, and so, you know, you had the boom, you had um, uh, West Town turning into, uh, you know, not a working class, uh, uh, you know, gritty area anymore, but a place with really expensive housing. And it, there's lots of examples, Logan Square, uh, Eastern Logan Square, uh, places like that. Uh, they've been home to the um, often young people moving here for corporate jobs, uh, people that have decided they want to live in uh, urban areas, that kind of thing. Yeah. And so that should remain stable. Meanwhile, uh, what's been going on for the last uh, 10, 20 years, a decline in the city's uh, black population and the new census stati- uh, statistics, Rob, show that that's continuing? Well, we, we won't know until uh, September because they're so far behind on their new data. They only released total state counts uh, the other day for apportionment purposes. But um, I, I think we can expect that the black population uh, decline continues not as uh, not as bad as it was a decade or two ago, but like I said, Chicago's still losing about fifteen thousand people. Uh, you know, th- fifteen thousand people in three years is a ward. Uh, yeah. So anyway, uh, losing that kind of numbers. Uh, I did a study with Jim Lewis for the Metropolitan Planning Council, where we, we had a we had the idea of taking all the census records of people born in Cook County who who don't live in Cook County anymore. We said, let's see what we find, and we found that. Um, uh, among blacks, whites, Latinos, uh, there was an interesting thing about black folks leaving uh, Cook County, uh, much more than any other group, uh, way more than whites or Latinos. They're highly likely to move to Indiana and to some extent to Wisconsin. Uh, and yes, to some extent, people are moving down south again. So Georgia was the uh, third location. But uh, blacks have sort of reshuffled. They have stayed in the metro area. Uh, they've moved to Indiana, is what the data show. Is what the data show, or to uh, Kenosha County and uh, Milwaukee County, you know, areas. Um, and in, in contrast, you look at where whites uh, move to when they leave Cook County. Their primary state location, I think, is California. I think, but you know what their primary um, sub-state destination is? Colorado, but non-metropolitan Colorado. Tell me you don't know a white person of, you know, <laughs> Illinois, really, who has not moved to Colorado. Yeah. And they can show that. Uh, uh, but it's not African-Americans and it's not Latinos. It's, it's yeah. the white population for the hills, so to speak. Yeah, no, I uh, know a couple, uh, now that you say that, I know a couple of white people are uh, doing the Rocky Mountain High thing. And I know a lot of people, uh, white people who have moved to California. Actually, I know a lot of Non-white people moved to California, which is, which, by the way, California lost population. Uh, and- yeah, less than less. California is very expensive to live in. It's not the it's not the story it used to be. And, and in fact, they lost a, a congressional district. Yes, which was kind of mind blowing. I mean, California represented for most most of our lives, you know, growth and prosperity. Yes, uh, and it is interesting. Uh, going back to explanations of why these things are happening. So I, I was talking to someone I know who lives in California, and this person's of sort of the leftist political persuasion. And so Republicans are sending me emails saying, 
uh, they're fleeing blue states. People are fleeing blue states. And so I said to uh, this this person who lives in California, the lefty in California, wow, California, uh, people are leaving California. And, and she said, that's because the housing is so expensive here. No one can afford to live here. So different political interpretations. Housing's a huge deal. Yeah. Uh, but I do believe the rising housing costs uh, have uh, an impact. And that is very interesting. I think you said that the last time we were on the show, uh, that um, black residents going to Indiana, and I presume most of them are going into that northwest corner of Indiana. Am I correct in that? Yeah, yes, just over the border, Lake and Porter counties. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's interesting. Blacks don't choose to leave the job market of Chicago. They don't choose to leave the area. They have a different thing going on. They're, they're just relocating, get, leaving Cook County, yes, but not the metro area. Uh, something very different is going on with, with that community. By the way, if I'm going to go back to my Richard J. Daly, uh, uh, the point I made, it could also explain the, stra- the, the same planning decisions that he implemented in 73 that mayors have followed pretty much loyally may have a contribution just saying that may have a contribution to the decline in the black population in addition to having uh, a role in the increase of the white population. All right, uh, let's get to uh, political reapportionment and how this uh, shapes. Uh, Let's start, let's just talk uh, uh, in terms of the um, use of black and uh, Latino districts uh, that uh, have been yeah. uh, created and and been represented by uh, blacks or Latinos. What's the impact of these demographic changes going to be on those? Uh, so I would start, first of all, at the, at the congressional level. And there's a couple of interesting things going on. So first of all, we're going to lose a district, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so when you redraw the district boundaries of, of for Congress in Illinois, you're going to have really big changes. Uh, you know, with the states and, and uh, districts and with wards, the same number is still used after redistricting, so the boundaries don't have to change so dramatically. But if, you, if you're if you losing a district, like we are at the congressional level, you've got to really uh, rejigger the boundaries. And I, I want to share a couple things with you about that. One is, um, well, three things. One, as I said, the population loss is really downstate, right, or a lot of it. So you one could argue that downstate is, is uh, you know, in the, a, a target for losing a district. But there are a couple other things going on. I want to comment about uh, about the uh, Latino population. You know, right now, uh, uh, Chuy Garcia, the 4th Congressional District, has a kind of a wacky-shaped district that connects both, uh, you know, Pilsen, Little Village, South Side, along with uh, North Side, um, uh, Humble Park, et cetera. Um, there's been so much growth of Latinos on the South Side that you, you could move that whole district just to the South Side now for the first time in history. You could do it. You could have a Latino district that's really a Mexican district on the South Side. I'm not advocating for that, but you don't need to do that, that gerrymander anymore. Uh, I was in a group of uh, people the other day uh, opining about things, and they said, yeah, well, there's going to be a second Latino district. I can, I can tell them for work I did for the Better Government Association and if you go on their website, you'll see these maps. Uh, we were asked to redistrict Illinois. Um, you can't draw two Latino congressional districts, two majority Latino. You, you can't do it in Illinois. And the issue is that the, the north side Latino population is too dispersed. You, you can't do it. So we'll have one Latino majority district still in, in, um, in, in Illinois, no matter where it actually ends up being. And then um, among, Af- among the three African-American um, Congress people that we have right now. Uh, the story with them is um, 
definitely two out of three, Bobby Rush and Danny Davis, I, I think not true of Robin Kelly, have fallen quite a bit in black population. It's, it's well below 50% at this point. It's like 47%, something like that, total population. And um, so they're not majority black districts as they currently stand anymore. Um, and that's 47% black of total population. If, if you start doing the numbers and say, well, what percent are blacks of the voting age population, of the registered population, of the turnout population, you know, it really starts declining. Um, Robin Kelly, on the other hand, uh, her district, it's, it's, it's south of Chicago and it goes up to the Indiana border. And that's exactly where the, some of the growth is. She has actually grown a little bit in her black population. But um, what, I'm, what I'm pointing out is that um, uh, drawing majority black uh, congressional districts will be a challenge. We, we drew three of them for the Better Government Association, just barely, just barely. We redrew the three. They just had 50% each. It's about the best you can do. So that's the story of the congressional district. Yeah, without taking too much of a deep dive uh, into uh, the politics of these things, uh, Rob knows what I'm about to say. Uh, the conventional wisdom, going back to, uh, to the 80s, really, 70s, uh, 80s and 90s, is that if you wanted a quote-unquote uh, Latino district or Hispanic district, you have to make it a super majority. In other words, if you wanted to guarantee that uh, there was a, a Latino or Hispanic a congressman elected or congresswoman elected, you needed a supermajority of Hispanics in the district. Uh, similarly, for uh, if you wanted to guarantee uh, a black congressman, uh, you needed to have a supermajority. I believe, as pessimistic as I generally am about progress in this country, that that has changed to a certain degree. Rob, I look at Lauren Underwood winning uh, in the um, western suburbs from Naperville, a black woman winning in a predominantly white area. Uh, I, I, got, I have to believe yeah. that uh, just based on some of the uh, aldermen who are elected uh, throughout Chicago, like Matt Martin, uh, 47th Ward, a black man in a ward that's overwhelmingly white. Uh, before him, uh, Amaya Pawar, uh, Indian American in an well, aldermen. just north of him. Yes. And uh, right. And so what I'm saying is that some of those old conventions uh, may be fading with time. Your thoughts on this? Yeah. Well, what you're saying is that there's a, a increasing likelihood of people crossing racial bounds in their voting. That's really the crux of the matter. That's why yeah. we have a Latina uh, state treasurer right now. People cross boundaries to do that. Uh, I would point out as a historical fact of uh, why did we create uh, districts that were 65% Latino, supermajority, uh, and, and the same for blacks. And Well, with Latinos, it was because there's so many people who were not citizens and couldn't vote. Uh, that, that That's a huge factor. And then for Latinos and blacks, they both shared a history of black, um, excuse me, of voter suppression and, 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 uh, and other things that, that made it hard to turn out. And, and there were findings in federal courts in the 80s exactly along those lines, which is why they would use that 65%. But you're right. You could find a lot of examples now. I don't know if we can find enough, but we can find a lot of examples. Had an African-American president, of course. But here in Illinois, um, in the western suburbs of Dagmara Abelar, a Latina, Latinx woman, uh, one in Bolingbrook. Um, Fred Crespo is a Latino uh, uh, gentleman in Streamwood. These are not Latino districts. They won there. Uh, so, um, yeah, yeah, there's a lot of examples. There's a growing number of examples, but I, I, I still... I'll ask you if you think that the days of what they call racial block voting are over. 
Uh, I wouldn't say they're over. I th- I would say it's diluted. And I, just having this conversation is triggering these thoughts in my head about future columns I could write or future conversations I would have. Uh, so, for instance, uh, you know, if, if I look at a changing demographic uh, and I look at Bobby Rush running and trying to get white people to vote for him, it's uh, probably it may be more challenging for him than it would be for Robin Kelly for a whole host of reasons age and background. Now, I may be more one of these old radical guys that every time I see Bobby Rush's name on a ballot, I'll vote for him because I have respect for him because he was a Black Panther back in the day. And I don't care that he endorsed William Daly for mayor. You know what I mean? It's just like Bobby Rush. He was in the movie Judas and the Black uh, Messiah, at least a character. His character was portrayed. So, But I don't know how typical I am. So I do believe it's diluted. I believe uh, white people are more, this is the crux of it. I think white people are more likely to vote for somebody of a different uh, race or ethnicity uh, for a position than they would have been when I first moved to Chicago in 1981. I absolutely believe that, Rob. And you know when my eyes were open? We're on a tangent within a tangent. My eyes were open in 2010 when Tony Preckwinkle won, I don't know if you remember this election, she won the Democratic primary for uh, president of the Cook County Board defying all the wisdom because I believe there were three black candidates in the race and white one white Irishman. And every political I go, the blacks are going to divide the vote split and, the split the, and the, all the whites are going to vote for the Irishman. And Ben, the Irishman will win. And Tony Preckwinkle mopped the floor. I'm like, you know what? Maybe it's time we retire some of these old conventions. So. You asked me the question. Yeah, it should be well, the there other have way been around. Some, some movement in that direction. Not enough, but some. All right. Uh, now let's get down to uh, legislative districts. Uh, when they reapportion, this is going to be. Uh, these are these are kind of a little more fun. Yes. <laughs> so, um, what's your districts? Uh, what I mean is, they're on house districts. They're a little more fun in the sense I'm being a little bit facetious because most people don't know what they are. But boy, are they important because uh, when I say legislators, they they uh, the uh, budgets uh, that determine your access to education and health care and a lot of policies. It's it's a funny disconnect. State yeah. government, um, no one knows who their rep is in some way. You know what I mean? Yeah. But uh, boy, do they influence people's lives. Absolutely. And uh, in, and I this that's this again. I'm trying not to be political with Rob, but. Uh, any Dems listening to this, this is why you lost in Wisconsin. This is why you lost Michigan, because you didn't pay attention to the state reps. You're just enamored with the big ticket. Barack Obama's name at the top of the, the ballot, and then you fell asleep, and the Republicans snatched control of your state. You woke up wondering, what? What happened? Yeah, well, you, gotta, you can't fall asleep, Dems. All right, sorry for that political interlude there, uh, Rob. All right, so um, my, if I'm following the the trend that you established early on, the losses downstate, then I hate to say it, Republicans, but when we do the maps, Democrats should have a greater share if I'm just following those trends. Am I correct? Uh, that's that's what the trend is geographically. The loss is more rural than, um, than, than anything else. Yeah. So uh, that uh, would... Go ahead. Oh, no, I was going to just... Uh, Talk a little bit about, again, talking about who's getting, what redistricting is going to mean for the uh, state legislature. And um, 
you know, we, we do still, a lot of us advocate for more uh, uh, people of color in, the, in, the, in Springfield for a lot of reasons. And one is just the historical short, uh, shortfalls and things that have kept people out of office. So Latinos are one out of, uh, almost one out of five Illinoisans right now. Uh, but they're only about 10% of the state uh, legislative districts are Latino majority. So there is this real disconnect between representation and population. Um, uh, among Latinos, um, you know, we worked very hard on a project for the Latino Policy Forum. My, my colleague, uh, Jim Lewis, and I, again, drawing maps um, to create as many uh, theoretical state districts as we could with Latino majorities. And um, we were only able to create one additional. There, there's 14 uh, districts in Illinois, House districts that are majority Latino. Um, and the, the only place where we could add another one, given that enough population being compact and everything, was uh, in Chicago on the south side. It's part of a, a constellation of districts. You know, right now we have Aaron Ortiz, Teresa Ma, Edgar Gonzalez, uh, Madigan's old district, uh, et cetera. It's in that area. We could still add one more. But, but just one more. Mm. Uh, and uh, and now we move, uh, of course, uh, to we, is Chicago's ward boundaries. We could do a whole show on this. There's <laughs> just, it, folks, if you really want to get a sense of how politics plays in Chicago, you should really uh, uh, pay attention to the city council uh, when they redivide the wards because it's every man and woman uh, for him or herself as they try to, each alderman tries to hold on to precincts that favor them and let go of precincts that don't favor them. And, and then they all gang up on one person. The last time they did this, Bob Fioretti was the guy, the alderman of the second ward. They just said, we don't like it. <laughs> they created a second ward, Rob, that <laughs> it was, it's hard. It's like a jigsaw yeah, puzzle yeah. piece. It's just so bizarre. Uh, so what, what's your just general sense? Yes. What's your general sense of uh, the impact? Go ahead. Well, there's one, a couple of things going on. One with the wards, you know, the, the law that governs ward uh, redistricting is a little looser than state and congressional, where you have to have exactly the same number of people per ward. But that's not true in Chicago. You have like a 5%, uh, I'll use the word slop allowed, uh, you know, which, which uh, we'll probably see used again. You know, when you lose this much black population, uh, what happens is you... Again, talking about racial, uh, you know, majorities, you have trouble drawing districts that are highly likely to elect an African American. You're also going to have African American districts that are geographically big because the population's uh, depleted. So the South Side districts are going to be large districts, you know, geographically speaking. And you'll see the North Side districts getting a little smaller because that's where the population growth is. Um, so we'll see that kind of geographic rearrangement. Uh, in in the in the fifty uh, you know wards, uh, north side district right because that's where the population grows so yes uh, they'll be uh, uh, smaller and uh, do you have a sense that'll change the politics itself in Chicago you know we when we talk statewide and when we talk congressional we talk in terms of Republicans uh, and Democrats in Chicago we're talking basically all Democrats but conservative Democrats centrist Democrats lefty Democrats, socialists, even beyond lefties. Uh, do you have a sense that this, these changing demographics will uh, affect Chicago politics? Yeah, that's really your question. I'll just point out, I'll let you answer that by pointing out a couple other parameters to that. Uh, so the growth is uh, 
in some areas among people who are pretty politically liberal, right? Uh, Lincoln Square. We were talking about 47th Ward before being one of the top growers. That's really Lincoln Square is where it is, and a little bit of Andersonville on Clark Street there. Um, so there's one thing going on is there, there is growth where uh, there's political liberalism. Uh, but then a separate thing going on is there's growth where there's affluence, which is a little different. It's not exactly the same thing. You know, there, there's something that I call the zone of affluence on the north side, uh, which is also. So, I don't know, you tell me, are, are, uh, are uh, older persons from the most affluent wards uh, also the same as uh, older persons from the most liberal wards? Wow, that you got to help me out a little bit before I answer that question. The zone of affluence, where exactly is that in the city of Chicago? Uh, well, you know, Daniel K. Hertz, who's just a really smart guy. Um, he was working for the city the last I was aware, and he's an expert on housing. He kind of coined this term, and I, I've been using it. it and if you take data from the Census Bureau, you can draw this boundary around very roughly speaking, it goes up to about Lawrence, it goes out to Western, it goes down to Roosevelt, more just roughly speaking for now, where the household incomes are like 50% higher than the rest of the city. It's just really, it's, it's the, you know, before COVID came, we used to joke about, you know, this is Oz. It's, you know, oh my God, every time you turn around, there's another construction crane and a fancy restaurant and that, you know, a Wizard of Oz feeling to the place. Um so that's the zone of affluence. It's this area that's you, maybe it's due to Mayor Daley number one's decisions long ago, but it's uh, really distinct from the rest of the city. Uh, uh, different incomes, lifestyles, households, th- uh, you know, things like that. Well, you know, it's funny when I see you break it down that way, and I'll handle the political questions. Uh, <laughs> leave the demographic ones to you. Very bizarre arrangement uh, politically. Of in this within this zone, because and I don't know if it's like the water or the air or whatever, but you could have a wealthy person who lives around Lincoln Square, which we have a lot of out of t- uh, uh, state listeners, so that would be on the north side of Chicago, around uh, Lawrence Avenue, forty eight hundred. Actually, I don't know if I did them any good if they're not from Chicago. Anyway, you could have left these. You could have uh, wealthy people in that area, and they tend to vote more to the left. You move south yeah. from there into an equally wealthy area uh, that is around... Um, uh, North Center or uh, even further? Further no, further south, you're heading toward uh, Roscoe Village. That's what I'm thinking of. You're heading south along uh, Damon in, into uh, an area that's equally wealthy, heading toward Wicker Park. And I don't see the same signs of progressive progressivity in their thing. Yes. I, 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 I'm, it's going to take a deeper dive. I'm going to have to, uh, Rob, go for a long walk tonight and ponder this and see if I can come with an answer. Why are residents who are wealthy in our neck of the woods voting for a progressive like Matt Martin and voters who are wealthy South of us not voting for, I go ahead. I'm remembering an analysis I did with Rahm's election. I'm sure that'll bring fond memories uh, to you where um, it was really the wealthiest uh, precincts that, uh, you know, overwhelmingly, uh, you know, turned out for him. The the Lincoln Park precincts really went for Rahm Emanuel in a big way. Thank you, Lincoln Park. (laughs) Uh, I can't remember that analysis. Did you do that for Rahm Emanuel's campaign or did you just do that uh, on your own? That was just done for fun. 
Done for fun. Okay. Robperro.com. You'll find it. Yes. And then there was another one you did about, uh, I'm pretty sure it was you that did it. Uh, it had to do uh, with the population around the old Cabrini Green area uh, and the proposal by Rob to put the Barack Obama a magnet school. Remember that one, yeah, Rob? Thank you. It's exactly the most depopulated, displaced African-American uh, area in the city was where they were going to put the Barack Obama a college prep high school. Yeah, no, the yeah. irony was just painful. It was painful. The, I would I would argue that eight years of Rahm as mayor was very painful, and I'm I'm wishing him best of luck if he gets the job as ambassador to Japan. Uh, just get out way out of Chicago. Uh, anyway, Rob, <laughs> uh, we've uh, I think we've covered all our topics. Uh, any uh, points you want to make before uh, we take off for the day? Oh, we, uh, no, there's so much we could talk about someday. It's, I'll tell you, it's something that puts people to sleep but is really important. So here, this is a good thing to end with, right, mm-hmm. is uh, just how much uh, our country, but Illinois, is aging. Uh, you wouldn't believe it. When you look at the percentages of uh, towns and cities and neighborhoods where it's made up of people over 65, it's dramatic. You just really see it. And someone's going to have to find out exactly what this means. It's got to mean something. Uh, we are we are really an aging population. Well, that's not good. Old geezers like uh, me. I have no idea. <laughs> well, that's Even what I'm short run because people are chill when they're older. I don't okay. Know. <laughs> uh, actually, uh, that's not always the case. But I'm not going to go into my family's <laughs> personal histories. Um, I'm, you know, I I bet you that is definitely connected to that uh, drop in immigration from Mexico. Absolutely. I bet you that's connected to that. And um, yeah, so that's not good uh, for Illinois. And I'll be waiting for it to see how the Tribune blames that on Democrats. Anyway, uh, Rob, I want to thank you very much for taking the time to come to talk to us and got to bring you back on more often. It's fun taking a deep dive on all this geeky stuff. Thank you for Uh, inviting me. That's uh, Rob Perrell. I'm Ben Jarofsky. Take care, everybody. (laughs) 